Welcome into the KYR Podcast. This is Communications Director Paul Del Rio. We are back doing our podcasts again, and this edition begins our first in a series of live podcasts. That is, they are Zoom meetings or uh, phone conversations or even in-person interviews that occur live uh, through an electronic media where folks can kind of jump on board, listen to it as it happens, and then perhaps ask some questions uh, as we kind of get to the end and wrap it up. Today, we are actually going to be speaking one-on-one with our 2021 KYR president, Charles Hinckley, uh, Richard Wilson, our government affairs director, and CEO Steve Stevens uh, sat down and spoke with him uh, to get to know him a little bit better and get his impressions on how the year is going and what he's accomplished and what he'd still like to accomplish. Look for these podcasts to occur live every couple of weeks. We have one slated for May 19th. Right now, it's at 3 p.m. Jason Scalf, our YPN uh, committee chair, uh, will be joining us talking about the newest tech tools uh, that are available to realtors, uh, specifically ones that he likes to use and that he finds very useful. And uh, he'll be sharing those with us here in a couple of weeks. So look for that. Appreciate you joining us today. We're going to get right into that interview with Charles Hinckley. Here is Richard Wilson. Charles was raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and studied business management. He is currently the managing broker of Network Realty in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. He has been in, he has been involved with KYR for many years in various ways. He has served on numerous committees and even chaired some of them. He is a 2011 graduate of the Leadership KYR class and has served as a delegate and director for Kentucky Realtors as well. Uh, he was elected treasurer-elect in 2018 and served as KYR treasurer in 2019. He was also awarded Realtor of the Year for the Heart of Kentucky Association of Realtors in 2019. Charles, welcome, sir. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to see everybody. And uh, glad we could be a part of this. Pretty soon we'll be in person. Woohoo! I hope so. I hope so. So Charles, just to, just to get us started, first question here, um, you know, help, help us, help us get to know you a little bit. I know, I know the staff here at KYR knows you pretty well. Uh, you were gracious enough to come and spend an afternoon with us uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, but, but for those of you who do not know Charles, um, you know, tell us a little bit about you and something that people may not know. People may not know. Um, you know, I think most people know a lot about me already, but that's probably an assumption I make. Growing up in Louisville um, and have been there most of my life, went to high school in Florida, college out in Oklahoma. Um, and then I, uh, you know, played basketball until I tore my knees up and then I gave that up and ended up uh, most recently um, getting involved with scuba diving. So that may be something people don't know about me. I want to be under the water. And I tell people all the time, the best part about scuba diving is you cannot answer your phone that far underwater. And that is really nice because you get to enjoy those uh, hour or two, whatever, where it's quiet and peaceful. So um, raised in a multicultural area, um, multicultural home. I've just been around for a long time and I just look for opportunities to surf. Very nice. Tell us a little bit about um, some of your other uh, business ventures that you have. Uh, other business ventures. You're talking about what my wife and I do. Uh, right. About six and a half, seven years ago, my wife and I went to Honduras on a humanitarian missions trip. We were feeding, uh, giving out rice and beans to the locals because uh, 
you know, Honduras is a pretty poor area. We flew in there and we spent a week giving out thousands of meals, uh, somewhere around uh, about seven to 10,000 meals we gave out that week. It was outstanding. We came back from there and my wife, when we were there, I'm feeding kids and my wife is chasing skinny dogs uh, because the dogs are also skinny there. And she just fell in love with and has a heart for dogs. We came back and um, on the plane, she's in tears saying that she wants to begin to reach out and find forever homes for dogs. And we started a dog rescue, got our 501c3 organization. First dog we had, uh, I believe the dog's name was Oreo, was hit by a car and gave birth to seven puppies. We spent about $1,500 on surgeries to uh, keep her alive. And then we raised those seven puppies in our kitchen at our real estate office. Um, and then we ended up having some more puppies come in, some more dogs come. And eventually we had to have a conversation that it's a real estate office and we can't smell like a kennel. So the next thing I know is we're buying a building. And then we bought a building. And now for about six plus years, we have been um, the owners and founders of Forever Homes for Paws, our dog rescue. And then uh, out of that came Lost Pounds, which is our dog daycare and boarding. And about two and a half years ago, I guess it is now, somewhere in that area, two and a half, closing in on three here pretty soon, about two and a half years, we uh, started doing to help raise funds for the dogs because these dogs are expensive. They all have to be vetted. They all have to go through these different things, surgeries, all these, uh, just getting their shots and records and make sure they're healthy so they can be adopted. Uh, you don't cost a lot of money. And so we started doing bingo. Uh, my wife grew up playing bingo. I did not. And so I ended up going to um, Frankfurt to learn how to do bingo. And now for the last two and a half years, every Friday night from 10 o'clock at night till about 3.30 in the morning, I call bingo. And then uh, on Saturday night, 10 o'clock at night, 3.30 in the morning, we're selling pull tabs and calling bingo. So we've been doing that and raising money so that we could help more and more dogs. And I really don't remember how many dogs we've helped, but um, I think we're pushing a thousand that we found forever homes for. I could conservatively say 500, but I really quit counting once we got to three and that was about four years ago. Wow. Wow. When do you sleep? Um, if I don't have any showings on Sunday afternoon, uh, I, I get a couple hours then, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I've just been blessed. I mean, you know, if we can get, you know, three to five hours sleep, that's all anybody needs. All right. Well, we free time. So that's, that's what we do. We end up working and doing the dogs. And, um, and then of course, you know, most people know my wife is also on city council and being the president and doing the things that we do. We stay pretty busy. But, um, you know, life is short. We only got one life to live. Let's make a difference in it. That's right. That's right. Congratulations to, uh, to Toshi for, for winning that race uh, for city council. So congratulations. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, so let, let's talk about some, some KYR stuff. Uh, as to 2021 KYR president, um, how, how's, your, uh, how's your presidency uh, going so far? You know, it, it's been it's been fun. It's interesting because when I talked to the past presidents, one of the questions I asked them was, you know, how is this going to affect your local business? 
And they all told me that it affects you anywhere from 20 to 30%. Most of them say about 25 to 30% because uh, you're so busy traveling and doing other things, you don't have the opportunity uh, to work your home business. <clears throat> With Zoom, that hasn't really been quite the case, although I am super glad we're finally beginning to open some things up. I'll be in, I'll be in the President's Circle in June of this year, and I'm glad to hear NAR talk about getting together in September uh, at the national uh, conference. So it's exciting to finally get back together again. Uh, but what I have found probably the most is I'm really no good at Zoom. Um, after about 10 minutes, it becomes, you know, it becomes Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And my ADD kicks in so fast that I really have to focus. And by the time I get done with three or four hours on the Zooms, I'm, uh, I have Zoomed out. Uh, and sometimes I have to admit I've zoned out and I've had to work on getting back in. And it's a little bit challenging, but through it all, through it all it's been exciting. Probably the biggest fun thing I do is, I mean, I've always loved the staff and tried to do stuff with the staff, but getting to know you guys in, on a work relationship has, has been even better. I got to know Roberto when I was treasurer and Cinda and, and all the folks in the office. But even now working with Steve and Richard Jew, as our as our GAD and uh, even Suzanne, the new our newest person, and Nicole, and working with them in a different capacity has been exciting, uh, and also eye opening to see the work that's been done. And so, you know, we applaud you guys, and I, I miss I, I get to enjoy that part of it. And then um, the part I'm missing the most is being able to travel around the state and see everybody because I am a people person. I, I like shaking hands. I like hugging necks. I'm just that's just who I am. And uh, so I, that's probably been the biggest challenge, but I'm glad we're getting together in June at our meeting and I'll be down at the president's sir. So I'm, I'm excited. We're finally opening things back up. Yeah, absolutely. We're ready for it as well uh, as staff. We're ready to see everyone uh, in person and at our summer retreat up in uh, French Lick, Indiana. But tell us where you are today since uh, you mentioned in person. Yeah, today I'm actually in Henderson. I'm in Henderson, uh, Kentucky, and the Henderson Board of Realtors and got the opportunity. They had their in-person session. They invited me and I was excited to come. So we did a little, uh, had a little chance to talk to them and see them. And then I actually did two other videos out of here. I did one to encourage folks to get their C2EX. Um, and I did that with James John Audubon, who was uh, from this area. And then I did one for getting people involved on the National Association, filling out their uh, committee. I see Will Fisher on here. And so, Will, thank you for filling out your National Committee reports, our committee of request. And uh, I did not realize that Admiral Kimmel, uh, who was the admiral who was in charge of the fleet during the, uh, World War II, the Pacific Fleet, he was in charge of it, was born and raised here in Henderson, Kentucky. And so uh, it was, they had a little uh, statue out there. So I stood next to him and encouraged folks to get involved. But yeah, I had a great meeting here. Tremendous board down here. The people here, Amanda's the president. Brian is their uh, uh, AE and uh, doing outstanding work here. So we're excited about what they're doing. So uh, I see uh, our CEO, Steve Stevens, uh, has joined us. And I'd like to call on him to ask a couple of questions to you. Steve? Sure. sure. Thanks, Richard. Uh, welcome, Mr. President. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes with us today. You know, um, I've had the pleasure uh, and the privilege of working with a lot of leaders over the years, um, actually a couple of decades worth of either people who were the president or in former organizations 
we call them chairman of the board. Uh, but the, the thing that I always observe is they usually come in with uh, some goals in mind, some an agenda, if you want to call it that. And then also uh, maybe even some uh, preconceived ideas of the way things will go. And sometimes they go that way and sometimes they don't. So I guess my question for you is, what were some of the things that you came into this position thinking about that you wanted to do? And then also, um, maybe what are some of the things that you expected and occurred? And then some of the things that were not occurring or unexpected that probably are happening. And again, we're still fairly early in this year, but uh, I'm sure there's probably a few things. Well, thank you, Steve, and um, appreciate it. And, and what I probably have found the most is I enjoy working with other leaders as, as well. And that's why I love our staff, because you guys are tremendous leaders. And it's fun to work with them because you don't have to micromanage. You just kind of give direction and walk away. And um, what I appreciate also is the staff also gives direction back. Uh, and, and that's part of the two-way street that I, I think has been uh, advantageous where we work together. Um, coming in, some of the things that I wanted to see, realtor safety has always been an issue for me that I think is extremely important. I uh, live in maybe because I'm in a rural area that I, I, I'm always concerned about those things. It has been with a, a different um, uh, KYR events, you know, where even we're after hours and we're all sitting around the same um, places and we're having um, people are drinking coffee or, or adult beverages or whatever, and we're all sitting around the, the TV or the bar and we're all talking and laughing with each other. Even then, I've always watched out for realtor safety because um, you see some things where you know, not everybody there is realtors. Not everybody there has the best of intentions. And so, you know, you always want to watch out for your members. So realtor safety was a big issue to me. And I'm glad to see we have a safety committee. Uh, and Kathy's been chairing that for me. And she's been doing an outstanding job. I'm looking forward to seeing that continue on. C2EX has been uh, close to my heart. Uh, I got my C2EX certification back in 19. Seems like a long time ago. May 10th of 2019 is when I got my C2EX. And um, I have encouraged all the people I know to go through that process. It's not easy. It's going to take time. It's not like a six-hour uh, aspect, but you have to work your way through that. And I encourage folks not just go through it once, but I continually am going back through it time and time again just to continually stay on top of what it is. Because if professionalism is what we want to be, then we have to push for excellence. And so those are some of the, um, two of the things I was looking for. Uh, I was talking to Richard earlier about the road show. Uh, I'm looking forward to that starting again, because one of the things I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting when I got elected in 19, that we would spend 2020 sitting at home uh, and doing stuff on Zoom. So that's been a complete uh, challenge um, to, to work through those areas and, and to continue to get everything done, but we have. I mean, we've been on more phone calls every week, which I think has been advantageous. Steve, you and I've talked about it quite a bit that we probably over the last year and a half have gotten more leadership team conversations back and forth. Uh, and that's been a positive. And so I'm looking forward to continuing that. And hopefully that'll continue even once we get back in person, because I think it's so vital. Um, so the road show coming on, uh, nobody was expecting some of the challenges we came with 2020, 
but you know, we've, we've done this. I think the fair haven aspect that's come out is another positive aspect that I encourage folks to go through uh, at nar.realtor backslash fair haven. Uh, and folks will go through that process. I think that'll be advantageous as well. So, uh, you know, what I realize is I know that you can't come in with a big agenda because you've only got 12 months. So trying to find the one or two things where you can make a difference is where I really wanted to do. Beyond that, I think it's just a matter of, of encouraging people to, to reach beyond themselves, get out of their comfort zones, and, it's in a, and get to the place where you're willing to give back. Uh, and if I can do that and inspire a few people to reach out, I think that'll be outstanding. That's, that's excellent. And how do you think realtors in general have kind of managed and adapted to the current situation and what we've experienced over this past year. I mean, you yourself are one of them. So you, gotta, <laughs> you think about yourself, but you also look at the whole big, broad uh, 12,000 member realtor world we have in Kentucky. How do you feel like they've really uh, dealt with this? You know, I, I stand amazed at our realtors across the state because it's, it's a different world. Uh, whether you're in Louisville, which is more of an urban area, uh, or whether you're where I am right now in Henderson or even farther west out in Mayfield or Arlington, or you're over in, you know, we always say from Pikeville to Paducah, but the fact is Jenkins is farther east than Pikeville uh, and Neon is too. So when you get out in those different areas and you're starting to deal with some of the different challenges, um, you know, we had counties that didn't even have a COVID incident. And yet here they are still being bound by the same rules. And, you know, these folks found ways to work around them. They found ways to work together, uh, more virtual. People who never knew how to do FaceTime are now learning FaceTime. My, uh, I tease my wife. She's learned now how to do FaceTime over last year. Now she can't make a phone call. She has to FaceTime everybody. Um, so I think that's been positive. We've walked, we've, we've learned that when you're doing videos and you're walking through that it's different than when you're doing them in person. So when I look at the realtors and I see, and I talk to them across the state and I see the things they are doing, I just stand back and applaud because they are, they have shown that they are top notch, that they are still uh, finding ways to become more than what other folks think they are. They're achieving more. And that is outstanding. And when you start looking at the fact that there's nothing to sell, and yet we're still seeing record sales, uh, it, it, it's it's crazy. And right. uh, so I, I just stand and I, I stand back and I look at our our members and I'm like, you all are just, you know, I, you know, hey, you all are wonderful. Bow down to you. I'm telling you, you all are great. So I just stand back and and, and applaud them. Let me uh, touch one more thing and I'll turn it back to Richard. But, um, you know, you just spoke about business and the real estate industry and the adaptations that they made and how well they've done. The other thing people don't often know, uh, and our realtors probably know about themselves, but the, the kind of outreach that they do on, you know, so many fronts in their own communities and across the state and to pick up uh, and help people and needs and things like that. You've seen some of the projects that people have dived into and really responded to and helped. Uh, talk about that just a minute and about you know what that means 
to the communities and to the people, but also, you know, what it says about us as an organization. You know, thank you, Steve. That's a great question. I think the thing with uh, when you start looking at what's going on across the state, many times people will think realtors are only about uh, selling their house or getting the deal, the transaction closed as if there's selfish motives involved. But when I look at the realtors and I see things like Relay for Life, uh, Walks for Cancer, uh, I know of one association, a realtor who's who's uh, has two children who've been diagnosed with leukemia. And so they're doing a couple different blood drives. Uh, they've reached into their own coffers and, and helped with some of the uh, medical expenses. I look at our own state and we've had people affected by flood and, and you know, we're finding ways to reach out to try to help them uh, as their lives are, are falling apart. Uh, I think it was, was it Northern Kentucky, I believe, uh, had a, a great cause that they were, they were reaching out for. Uh, and not, not that they were doing one with the dog park that gives great for the city, but there was even another one. And I can't remember, I was wanting to say it was for families of deaf children. And uh, then you look at what's going on in Louisville and how they tried to do some stuff with an economic uh, impact and they're reaching together. Harley Kentucky Association Region, Region 2, where they networked with the school to try to find ways to encourage Votech, uh, some of the other areas for kids, and maybe college isn't for them. So, you know, there, there, I, I look across and I see what's been going on across the state and I just stand back and I'm amazed. Um, the realtors, how much in a busy time that we all have where we're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and then you talk to them and they're given another 5, 10, 15 hours a week to charities, uh, local associations, local causes. And so, you know, Richard, you asked me, when do I sleep? I wonder when any realtor sleeps because all these guys are giving back so much uh, because we realize that for us to be successful, we have to have a strong community. And so it's not just a mantra that we throw out because it sounds good. It's a lifestyle that we actually live. Yeah, well said. And uh, I too uh, just, you know, smile all the time when things come across our desk that tell us, you know, that they are working on a new project or, you know, we're able to facilitate some grant money out of the state association to help them do a project somewhere. It's just fantastic. And they're identifying these things all across the state and we're able to help. And that's really, that's really neat. And uh, it makes me proud uh, to be part of the association as a result of that. So that's great. Richard, back to you, man. I'm going to jump on top of you, Richard, for one second and remind yeah. everybody who's listening that we still have uh, each region's got a $10,000 grant for 2021 as well. So there's still, if you haven't done something, you can tap into that. So um, whatever region you're hearing this in, uh, feel free. Those grant monies are available. So don't, don't, don't wait to the last minute. So anyway, go ahead, Richard. I'm sorry. No, no worries at all. <clears throat> so I want to ask you about two Two pol I want to ask you two policy-related questions. Um, you, you mentioned uh, record sales uh, that, that KYR and uh, realtors are experiencing right now. But we're in the middle of a, of a pretty big inventory shortage at the same time. I mean, you have, um, I, I believe it was Lawrence Hune or, or someone at the recent meeting the other, the other day mentioned that there are more realtors than uh, houses to that are currently listed. Talk to us a little bit, a little bit about the inventory shortage and how 
you know, how, how, where do we go from here uh, as far as the inventory short? Well, I, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, and, and, you know, even though I pray every day, God hasn't given me any insight. But uh, what I can tell you is that I think there's a number of reasons that we're seeing a shortage. Number one, back in 08 and 09, when we had the bust uh, and the bubble, that builders, uh, some of the builders I know that went bankrupt because they, they had built so many spec homes. And then when they couldn't sell them for a profit, they lost money and they ended up having to file bankruptcy. So you have a few less builders. And then when you do have some builders, we average 1.5 million homes a year being built brand new homes. But for the last 10 years, we're averaging 750,000. So we're only building about half the homes that we normally do. So that's going to add to part of the problem. Then you take last year where everybody's on stay-at-home orders and nobody's working. So you're not, you're not getting drywall. You're not getting uh, decking. You're not getting two-by-fours at the same, you know, the same amount you would normally get. And so because everybody is staying home and the cost to manufacture those are higher, then the cost of building has also become higher. And now you got builders who are afraid to build because as soon as they start trying to give a bid, by the time they get to that point, the prices has gone so high they can't afford it. So that's going to be a separate issue. Then you add the third aspect of that, which is, if you will, a perfect storm, which is it used to be people moved every three to five years. Now it's been jumped up to close to seven to 10. And so because people are not moving as often, then all of a sudden you have people who are not putting that inventory on the market. And then, of course, you take last year where nobody or very few people were moving because they couldn't go anywhere. Uh, and people were kind of stuck in a holding pattern that we've been seeing some of those challenges. So now what's happened is we're still selling a lot of homes. The difference is your home won't be on the market that long. So as soon as a home comes available, like vultures, everybody is trying to show it in 15 minutes. And then we're getting some crazy stuff where people are coming in asking 50,000 above asking escalation clauses, all kinds of stuff that are, um, are interesting because uh, I've never seen this kind of market before. And we'll have to be aware to make sure that we are you know, still being, um, you know, we as realtors say we have a code of ethics. We need to live up to it and make sure we're being ethical in our actions. And, uh, and so that's part of what we will we'll continue to do. I think you're probably, if, pe if people will go back to work this year, it'll probably take us a year, maybe two, to see housing level back out again. So I think in another uh, 18 months to two and a half years, we should get back to what we would call a normal market. Gotcha. And to follow up on that, um, competitive market, obviously, uh, right now. Uh, Will uh, had a comment in the, in the chat there, kickout clauses are, are, are scary. Um, but what are, I mean, obviously um, very competitive right now. A lot of houses have multiple offers, offers. Um, you know, some come in cash offer way above asking, um, you know, no inspection. What do you, what do you tell, what, what, what is your advice to, to any realtor out there going, going through this, going through the process particularly? Yeah, it, it, it's, I tell my, I had a client the other day call me up and they began to give me their wish list. And I wrote back to them and I said, please, I know them well enough I can get by with this. I wrote back and I said, your wish list is available. That's your wish list. 
because everything else is just is there. You're, you're just going to hope you can find something. Um, I think the thing that that people that realtors you have to watch out for is remember your fiduciary responsibility is to your client. Um, you know, so if you have a seller, you know, I, I, I wouldn't set my seller up for for you know expect. 50 offers and 50,000 over asking. If you're, if you're getting those kind of numbers, you need to probably check your comps. Uh, I don't understand it. I saw, I was with a, a person recently, house was listed for 315. They came in at 321. The appraisal came in at 305. So, you know, you, you have to realize that there, you, you have a fiduciary responsibility, just like the appraiser does to the bank. We do to our clients. And even if you have a buyer, you know, who's willing to pay 50,000 over asking, no matter what the appraised value is, are you doing your, your client justice? You know, you, you have that responsibility. And if we say we have a code of ethics, it cannot be, you know, I have to win at all costs. Your client is your client. And you need to be aware of them. So I think that's part of the thing I say. Now, if you have a house that's there and it justifies it, it justifies it. I had one client who was moving here. He had two weeks to find a home. He didn't have an option. He had to have a place to live. He didn't care. Okay. But I still let him know you're paying too much for this house. And I protected myself. I, I told you not to pay this much. I and mean, I hate to say that that's bad, but I mean, I have a responsibility to my client and I've got to shave in the morning. I've got to look at myself and that check, whatever that check amount happens to be is not worth an unethical issue and, uh, and not treating them correctly. So I think that's what I remind people is remember your fiduciary responsibility. Remember, you know, the old car. If you remember from your classes, if you took classes uh, for your real estate classes, that was your, responsibilities, loyalty, duty, uh, honesty, all those different things. So as you remember those, I think you'll begin to kind of begin to tell people the truth. And, and then I tell people it's a buyer's market. You know, you may not get the first house, may not get the second house, but if you're patient, you'll get a right house and you'll get it at the right price. And, um, you know, the early bird may get the worm, but the early worm gets eaten. You know, so sometimes you just got to be patient and wait. And, uh, and and then we just got to be honest with people, treat them fairly, treat them with respect. That's what I tell people. Absolutely. And the market will change. It'll change. Yeah. Yeah, it will. It will. So one, one last uh, policy, um, I guess, issue that I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, so I guess hot off the presses today. Yeah. Uh, U.S. District Court judge up in uh, the, the District of Columbia struck down the nationwide eviction moratorium, um, calling it unlawful. Yes. And the ruling applies applies nationwide. Mm -hmm. What is your opinion on that? Well, <clears throat> let me let me give this my answer. You asked for Charles's opinion. So Charles's opinion uh, is I believe in private property rights. And um, when you have people who have, uh, and I understand and I, and I can appreciate the fact that some people weren't able to go to work and uh, they got PPP loans, they got unemployment, they got 
$600 above on top, some people $300 uh, a week over on top of unemployment, so that we actually many times pay people more not to work than to work. Uh, but for some reason that people have not felt the need to pay their rent. We've even established, I think it was this, uh, this year, we passed uh, part of the uh, of the Kentucky rental, um, I forget which HR bill it was, uh, Richard, that we passed that gave people opportunities to get help. But I, in the end, it's still the private property rights. And we're helping the renter who's in his house, but we're not helping the property owner pay his mortgage. And so, you know, if you've got somebody who's not paying the rent, it's not because they, many times, not because they couldn't they chose not to for whatever reason. They got stimulus checks and whatever else, and they were supposed to pay the rent and chose not to. Uh, and again, this is not this is a, not a blanket issue. This is just in general, because I believe in private property rights. I happen to applaud that particular uh, uh, ruling, because we do need to get back to what what we advocate as as Kentucky realtors. We advocate for private property rights. And we don't want the government coming in and telling what somebody has to do with their property and what they can and cannot do. So some people will say that's not merciful, but I think that's going to be up to the individual. Let them individually show mercy. I don't think you can mandate mercy. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Um, but that just came down. So I'm sure that I'll probably hear from somebody who will tell me I'm wrong, but uh, I'm open to always. I tell people all the time, I'm human. I reserve the right to be wrong. But until you show me I'm wrong, that's where I'm going to stand. Well, I mean, a, a lot of our uh, members here at KYR are either landlords or property managers. Yes. This this affects them big time. Oh, it does. Yeah, it, it affects people. I mean, I, I, own, I own rental property. And so, you know, if I've got somebody who's not paying rent and you tell me I can't do nothing with it and they get to stay there and there's no recourse, uh, but I still got to make the mortgage payment, you know, well, yeah, you can defer it. doesn't matter. You still got to make it, whether you defer it to the back of the loan or right now, either way, I still got to make the payment. And I just don't think, and then if you, if you do it to the bank, it's not fair on the banker because it short, shortens their cash flow that they're anticipating to be able to continue to do the loan process. So, you know, we, we've got to begin to think bigger than just the moment. And so I, I'm glad that there's been a judge that has seen that and has struck it down. And whether or not it stays that way when it's appealed, we'll find out once it goes, uh, moves up. But uh, short term wise, I think it's a good, a good plan. Absolutely. All right, uh, Charles, that's about our 30 minutes uh, are up. Steve, do you have any final questions or thoughts? No, I just uh, want to say thank you, uh, Charles, for the time that you spend, that people have no idea how many hours it takes to be the president. And uh, it's just really uh, uh, servant leadership, and we appreciate that. And I hope everybody else does as well. Uh, I enjoy working with you, and thanks uh, for the partnership that we have. So, Good luck. You still got three quarters of the year to go. So there's a long way to go till we hit that finish line. So I hope you've got the stamina. So uh, oh, yeah. we'll, keep, we'll keep running. We're excited about it. It's a joy. Uh, really is. I'm, I'm having so much fun. Uh, I don't take the uh, presidency lightly. Uh, I don't think I'm anything special. I'm just Charles. But I will tell you the one thing I do know is I, 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 when you surround yourself with great people, it makes you look better than you are. And so I've tried to surround myself with some tremendous people. And, um, and you know, that way I just have to 
you know, just smile real big and, and you know, do what we got to do. But uh, it's going to be a great year, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Uh, our, our, next, our next podcast live will be on Wednesday, May 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, our guest for that episode will be YPN Chair Jason Scoff. Uh, Jason will be joining us to talk about new tech tools uh, in real estate that realtors may not know about that could help them and their clients um, during the buying and selling process. Uh, for myself, Steve, and everyone here at KYR, Charles, thank you so much for everything you do for us. And we will see you next time. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, guys. Talk to you all soon.